That doesn't just tell us where we are at. <laughs> Is that not the best way to open our show? Just meow, <laughs> meow. <laughs> well, you need to somehow make it more sexual. Meow. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. There we go. A little bit yeah. more like what this movie. You can is. hear the thirst in the meow. Yeah. <laughs> so hi and welcome to Behind the Hype. I'm your host, always Brian Dressel. With me, as always, is Chewy Darso. Hi. And Jonathan Hardesty. Meow, meow. Yeah. Meow, meow. Uh, I gotta say, uh, I edited last week's episode today that we're recording, and uh, I am officially done with the SNL voice. <laughs> I can't, I'm done doing it. I'm done listening to it. It won't happen again. Uh, oh, it's just too bad we're not done with it as uh, podcast hosts. I feel like I need to be done with it. Maybe it'll make a return <laughs> in 2021, but for 2020, SNL voice is gone. Why don't you try to do your best... Uh... Andy Richter voice. I can't do an Andy Richter to save my life. <laughs> can't even do a Tom Hanks or Christopher Walken. No one can do a Tom Hanks. Well, Tom Hanks can do Tom Hanks. I even asked the one guy we know who does professional impersonations, and he said, "No, that one's hard." <laughs> <laughs> that, that's really funny. That'll be the last time we talk. Is that the? Uh, are his initials RM? Is that who you're talking about? Yeah, ah, that's what I thought. Nice and uh, nice and cryptic. So here we are, final week of Eve Stewart. It's gonna be real sad to say goodbye because uh, although we might not have loved all the movies, we've definitely enjoyed at least most of the movies, and we've definitely enjoyed the production design oh, yeah. throughout. Because they're all beautiful. Four for four. This woman knows her production design. Yeah. Um, but she it, has a very lovely house. I would hope so. Like a Kelly Sudeconic level house of just like she knows what the inside of this house is supposed to look like. I had to stop looking at Kelly Sue's Instagram. It was making me too annoyed that I'm like, I'll never have enough money to have this. Oh yeah, you, you can't you can't be jealous of Kelly Sue DeConnick or you'll just you'll drive yourself nuts. She is living her best life. At least I hope. <laughs> <laughs> just angrily posting these. These are beautiful. Oh, I'm mad. She's somewhere out there like this isn't beautiful enough, and it's like lower your standards. Right. <laughs> you're you're no, good. It's, like a, it's it's like a secret hell. Uh, for those of you who don't know, we're talking about Kelly Sudeconic is a famed comic book writer. You should check her out. She's fucking great. Um, she's just about to finish writing Aquaman, and I'm really sad to see her go because she was so good at it. But it's okay. She'll go back and write her own books. It'll She'll be awesome. do her thing. Maybe she'll go back to Bitch Planet. That was really cool. Former co-host of uh, this show, uh, Emily, has a tattoo from Bitch Planet. Yeah. Cool stuff. Anyhow, cats. Cats. <laughs> Cats with monkey tails. Cats with monkey tails and human hands and some human faces and... Definitely human noses. Definitely human noses. Um, and feet and sneakers, pants sometimes. Cats from 2019, the Tom Hooper <laughs> epic is what we're talking about today, of course. I love this movie, except for two parts. There are two very rough parts in this movie that I do not like. Uh, otherwise, I think the movie's pretty great. I'll be honest. 
It's pretty great. Uh, both ironically and non-ironically, pretty great. Uh, let me tell you really quick what happens in this movie so we can actually talk about it. Uh, <laughs> All right. So welcome to the Jellicle Night under the Jellicle Moon, where the Jellicle Cats are going to meet up for the Jellicle Ball. Uh, and at the Jellicle Ball, they have to explain why they need a new Jellicle life, because their previous Jellicle life was a little unfulfilling. And the movie then has a series of uh, practices. Uh, these people are practicing their song that they're going to sing to Old Deuteronomy, the cat who will eventually choose who gets the next Jellicle life. And then actual performances of people performing for Old Deuteronomy, saying, this is why I need another Jellicle life. Um McCavity, uh, the villain of the piece, if you will, has decided he is done with his current Jellicle life and he wants the next Jellicle life, but he spent this Jellicle life being rather a bad Jellicle cat, being a mean magic Jellicle cat. So the current Jellicle leader, Old Deuteronomy, who I mentioned earlier, I'm trying to say Jellicle as many times as possible, mm. uh, has decided that McCavity will never get a new Jellicle life. He will never go to the heavy side layer because he's such a dick. And uh, he's not a fan of that. So he tries to remove all the contestants, um, totally forgetting the fact that Mr. Mistopheles, another cat, is also magical and can just bring them all fucking back as what they do. And uh, for some reason, they decide to pick the mangy cat who's been outside this whole time as the one to get the next life. She goes on. Movie then continues for another five minutes of explaining why cats are not dogs. One of the worst things in the whole movie. Um, It's quite grating, as a matter of fact. I would not blame you if you turned it off as soon as Judy Dench looks at the camera. But that's essentially Cats. Correct? Yes. Yeah, you got it all? Yep. uh, I'm getting flashbacks to the other night when I watched this movie. (laughs) This movie is... Wonderful. What happens when a theater kid becomes a worldwide known director... And people just kind of give him money. And he's like, you know what? I'm going to do what every theater kid has always said they want to do. Change all the choreography to cats. Oh, wait. What do you mean nobody ever wanted to do that? Why are you all so mad at me? Make a cats movie. That's going to be an interesting point for me because I haven't seen the original. So you you guys might have to catch me up to speed on that. They changed the choreography for all of it. So the, the choreography from Cats, and now there could be somebody on the, uh, out there listening to this episode who could be uh, far more correct about this than I am, um, but from what I understand, the choreography from Cats is rather set. It doesn't change from production to production, um, and it's usually considered like difficult and something f- people are very proud of learning. Um, for the anniversary of Cats this past summer, Andrew Lloyd Webber did a live screening of the old like 1995 uh, videotape of it on YouTube. He had people watching it, and... Everyone's remarking how much they love the choreography. A whole bunch of cast members throughout the years, all the way back to the original production, posted YouTube videos of them doing the choreography, like from how they knew it from forever back, way back in the day, all the way up to the current Broadway cast, although Broadway's not happening right now. Um, But it was really cool seeing them all because they're all doing the exact same movements the whole way through. I'm like, oh, maybe it is the same. And I just didn't know. Um, But yeah, this movie really just kind of went, we're going to take the play and the music and we're going to do our own thing with it. And for theater kids, that was both awesome because somebody threw a whole bunch of money into a very old, very beloved show and horrible because they changed fucking everything. <laughs> so it's like, okay, ah. okay. So that's interesting because as I'm watching this, I'm like, this just, I, I, for at least the beginning of this, I was wondering what were people into with cats? Like, so, because of the, because I, the, there was a the choreography that was bothering me so much in this. I was like, this can't be it. I'm missing something. I felt like I was missing something. I feel like this movie 
is the equivalent of Malort. <laughs> you drink it and you're like, what the frick was that? Why would you do that to me? And then you drink it again and you're like, this is still terrible, but I'm fascinated. You drink okay. it again and you're like, all right, I'm starting to see why you might have made these decisions. And then, you know. I think I need a bottle at home. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah. Every no. time I see that, watch this movie, because I have watched this movie multiple times at this point, because Brian loves it and Corin actually loves it too. Okay. If it wasn't for our son, we would not have watched it nearly as no. many times. <laughs> but through the eyes, through the eyes of not thinking rationally, <laughs> this movie is enjoyable. Just don't just don't think about all the things that are bad. I mean, that's a really weird way to say it. This is a free fever dream. This is literally someone's in a coma. This is what they're dreaming about. And just kind of like seeing the the show. Like the show, if you go back to when the show originally launched on Broadway and you read the reviews, which is what I had to do after I saw the movie in theaters, mind you. We took our nieces to go see it. Um you look at the reviews to the original Broadway production, and people are like, what the fuck was that? Because there's never been a plot. Yeah, like, there's no story. There's no nothing. Like, why would anybody want to go see this fucking thing? I mean, it was cool, and I'm really glad I saw it. And never mind, it's great. You should see it. And, like, that's kind of how the Broadway reviews went in the beginning. It was like, this was <laughs> awful. But at the same time, like, the costumes were good. The dance was amazing. The music was really good. And, I wait, I think it was good. Ah, fuck. No, I think I like yeah. it. But that works better as a play than it does Abs a movie. 100%. And I think that's kind of where I run into the problem. Was Tom Hooper decided to make this movie a spectacle. Just like the play was back when it originally launched. The problem is, it's a movie spectacle. We've seen them. We've seen movie spectacles so often now that they're boring. We have a friend who was on our episode for Mad Max Fury Road who said Mad Max Fury Road was boring boring <laughs> yeah like the, I just don't think the world it's not that the world wasn't ready for Tom Hooper's version of Cats is that the world was ready for this 10 years ago and he's way too fucking late and now we don't care and think it's garbage I think if this movie had come out around 2009 2008 and looked like this and was this movie people would have lost their shit but now it's like I don't know that for sure. I think so. You might I have had so. a better chance. It would have done better than it did. Well, yeah, it yeah. also went I, up I can, against Star that. Wars, which was stupid. Yeah, trying to release this against Star Wars was a bad idea. I even mean, it, even though, and I wholeheartedly mean this, this is a better movie than Rise of Skywalker. Oh, well, yeah, because it had more... It almost had oh. better writing. <laughs> I would I would buy 16 copies of this Blu-ray before I ever saw Rise of Skywalker ever again. Yeah, like, fuck that movie. Like That was a movie um, by agenda. This movie, it had so much heart and passion, and people just <laughs> wanted it to be good, and then they put fucking James Gordon in it, and they just, like, they every oh, time oh, they could yes. make a wrong decision, they made a wrong decision. But you could see the okay. love and the passion for it. By the way, though... James Gordon wasn't the worst thing in this movie. No, he's not. Rebel Wilson is. She absolutely Rebel Wilson is. was, yeah. James Gordon yeah, no. is an annoyance for a few moments. Rebel Wilson, is. she ruins every scene she's in. Because she can't actually sing. No. It's yeah, and, and what's, what's unfortunate is that two of those characters happen like before all the great stuff at the back half. So like I'm sitting here, and I'm already not impressed with the choreography from the beginning of the movie. Uh, the editing is already bothering me because I'm not seeing any of the choreography. 
the camera close-ups like we're getting close-ups when people are dancing i'm like oh i want to see this uh jandy even mentioned to me that the lead the lead cat uh, victoria was like a ballet like a, a ballet dancer and i was like oh wow the, you should let the movie know that they do they just let them know not until the jellicle ball once the ball starts they showcase right. all the dancing it just you have to get to that moment because after that moment on, like this is some of the best. I think I would honestly say this is some of the best filmed dancing of the past 10, 20 years. But you have to get to that point because before that, you have all the spectacle of it. You have the cats jumping from car to car, and it looks ridiculous. And you have all this kind of like the Jason Derulo song, which is actually a really good song. But in this version, it's just like, why are they at a milk bar? And what the hell does Victoria want all that milk for? Good lord, she was thirsty. But like, there's these weird yeah. moments. But when you finally, yeah, I was lost a lot in the beginning with that. Well, yeah, that's what I mean. Just, like, it's it doesn't even try to tell the story. It's well, just the best thing about that to me is that it feels like Jenny Any Dots <laughs> and Rum Tum Tugger used to be a thing. Oh, they totally were. And she's really upset that he's come back into her house. <laughs> like, get out of here. Yeah, she is a. We broke up. She is a salty ex. <laughs> yeah. That's the best part of that to me. I'll just I just wanted to get that in there. That's the imposed storyline in my brain. But then she ruins the Rum Tub Tugger song. Like it's already kind of rough. I love Jason Derulo. I think he's got an amazing voice. He's a good dancer. But, <laughs> um, but her, the random like intercuts with Rebel Wilson's mm-hmm. jokes. Like I think he got neutered. You know, snip snip. And like I can do his dancing. I was like what is this? We're in the it's middle stupid. of like one of the most popular songs from the show. Shut up, Rebel Wilson. This get is not here. the time for it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. See that that's interesting that you say that because. Judging by the way that that song was filmed, I wouldn't have guessed it was the most popular or it's one of the popular the most, ones. The most popular is obviously Memory, but it's one of right, the right, popular right. ones. Like people like Rum Tum Tugger. They even make jokes which about is weird. it. Yeah, Brooklyn Nine Nine. Like, yeah, which is weird. Watching this, having not like seen it, like I've, I remember the song Memory. I've got a lot of osmosis for some of the back half of these songs. Sure, um, but the beginning stuff where I was having some trouble kind of connecting, grabbing onto something, I kept going trying to figure out like, okay, what? Where's the what do people like about this? And the movie, like, I couldn't get that from, especially with uh, Jason Derulo, like, because I did a lot of, I did some promotional stuff with a, one of my jobs, and they were talking him up, and I was like, oh, cool. I kind of had some expectation when I saw him. I was like, oh, this is going to be kind of a great song, and what's this? Rebel Wilson's in here, too? What's she? Why is she ruining this? Why is this song not good? Like, I, I, was, I was getting very confused. It's much better if you watch the YouTube version for the recorded stage production. Yeah, that 1998 one, that guy fucking crushes good, it. It's like, like when you watch that version, it's like watching John Travolta in Greece. You're like, oh, I get it. This yeah. is why everyone wants to bang you. Like, oh, that's <laughs> Rum Tum Tugger. Like yeah. that that guy, he he destroyed that part. Yeah. And like, I don't think Jason Derulo did bad. I think a lot of this comes down to Tom Hooper just... I think he was in a world of yes. It was just like, yeah, you can do that. That's what I mean. He, yeah. he was... Act- he made this movie like a theater kid who got no checks and balances. <laughs> yeah. Like, kudos to him living out the dream there. It's a real shame it didn't connect for more than just me and I think our friend Deneen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, and it's, but I, I did want to quickly address the whole, like, I think you mentioned to me that there's been some complaints that there's not really a plot. It's hard to follow. It's like, I never had a problem with that, actually. Like, I've, I was actually very interested in trying to connect with this. Like, cause you guys have talked it up so much and just to see, that, I was like, okay, I, I'm, I'm ready. I want to, I want to see what you guys love about this. And once they got to the Jellicle ball, I was like, I get it. It's that thing. I was like, okay, now I, now I'm interested. Like I'm sitting forward and I'm like, okay, this, 
this is working. I'm getting this. I'm starting to feel emotional with this movie. But yeah, for a while there, I was I was worried. I was like, what did you guys make me watch? <laughs> the, on, the only reason I can say I enjoy this movie as much as I do is because of how much I love Skimble Shanks. That Skimble Shanks scene is like... The, the spectacle there for me is all in the editing there. I think they feature his dressing, his dancing amazingly. I actually think that the proportions, for the most part, are better during his song. Yeah. They don't seem to disagree with themselves as much as they do with other sequences on how big the cats are to their environment. And the filmmaking between him being in the Egyptian to them ending up on the railway tracks, the combination of the visuals with the dance and the music and the sound of the tapping, that is pure cinema right there. That was done exceptionally well i wish the rest of the movie was done as well as that was yes agreed 100%. if the whole movie is as good as the i would give skimble shanks would be my number one and then my number two would be taylor swift which i never thought would happen but taylor swift and McCavity. if the two songs if the whole movie's songs were as good as those two i think people would have a different opinion in this movie but it, the problem is when it released the skimble shanks song was so fucked up from uh unfinished special effects that everybody hated it and it's like I get it. Like, they didn't look like they were connecting with the train tracks. Like, it was just a mess. But when you kind of fix it a little bit, and you watch it on a smaller screen, it helps a shitload. But you don't see those those problems as much. And you can really get into, like, how good the music is, how good it matches up with his tapping. And just that shift from when he's tapping on wood to when he's tapping on metal. And just that gentle just blend into it. It's like, fuck, that was good. It was great. So well done. Wish they yeah, could have I was, captured that the whole film, but yeah. they just did it. I mean, yeah, it was really. In- I, I I changed my tune a lot in the movie during Skimble Shanks, um, around that area, but especially that song. Yeah, Skimble Shanks, and then uh, and then McCavity. Like, I'm not a big Taylor Swift guy. I, I don't I don't really think her songs are that great. I don't think her voice is that great. She can sing. I'm not insane. Um, she's just not really my. She did great in this movie. Yeah, she's just not really my jam. But I loved her in this movie. And, like, yeah. she was one of the things that I would make fun of from this movie before I saw it. I'm like, of course Taylor Swift's cat has boobs. Like, that's just ridiculous. And then when I'm watching <laughs> the movie, I'm like, no, nah, I get it. I get it. That's the song she's singing. Like, she's supposed to be the voluptuous, sultrous cat. Like, yeah, she would have boobs. I get it. It's fine. And I thought she just did a great job with that song. I liked the whole, uh, the whole like... We're just going to drug everyone. We're not going to be able to convince them. So let's just fucking drug them. Like, I liked all of that. I thought, because like, that was not in the play. That's just what they did in the movie. I'm like, I thought it looked cool. It was fun. I thought her just kind of opening up to camera throughout all of it made it more like one of her music videos. So she was more comfortable. So that she didn't have to act as much. Because the few times when she does have to act in the movie, it's like, you're trying. A for effort. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's, it flips it on its head. She's a better singer. She's not a great actor. No. And then Rebel Wilson, better actress, not as good as a singer. No. And then we have Mr. Mistopheles, who's... Well, Neither. He, yeah, he's not the best actor, and he's not a singer, and he's not no, a he's dancer. An, he's an okay actor. Yeah. But that's the only reason they hired him. I think they hired him for his hat tricks. I he, honestly he, think that. He can flit a hat around his body, like, really cool. Yeah. And if that turns out to be CGI, then I have no idea why Mr. S- why Mr. Mistopheles yeah. is in this movie. Because that, that's one of the things that I learned post this movie, is that Mr. Mistopheles, in the play, is one of the top ballet dancers. He yeah. has elaborate, twirly things to do. I don't know ballet terms. 
that is one of them. Really <laughs> impressive and amazing. And then you watch him in this movie, and he's a klutz. Yeah, like it is such a stark turn. Like if you again go back to that 1998 uh, YouTube version of this, and you watch the Mr. Mistopheles song, it's so. It's a completely it, different character. Oh, totally different character. Like he's not timid. He he is the magical cat. He's magic as fuck. And like you stay the hell out of the way of his magic because he's so magical. He shoots lightning all over the stage. Yeah. Like he has no problems. And his song is a celebration of how off, of how awesome he is. It's not like, come on, buddy, you can do, you it. Can do it. Yeah. <laughs> right. Come on, fourteenth times the charm. It's, <laughs> it's, well, it was. Like you. I don't see why they felt they needed the underdog character in this movie. Why do you need an underdog character in a movie about cats? Yeah, we already have the underdog characters. We have, uh, I always forget her name. Um, well, I'm just Who kidding. sings memory? Uh, Jennifer Hudson, but I forget the name of her cat. But you have her cat and you have uh, Victoria. Like, you have two cats who are already kind of underdogs. You have see, the but newbie. They're not, you don't need an underdog because they're not dogs, remember? Oh, shush. That's the uh, point I'm trying to make. <laughs> uh, no, thank you. Um, but yeah, like, that's. You kind of already have those characters. And, like, I, I'm not sure what Tom Hooper was thinking, like, by trying to make Victoria, like, this entry point character. Because in the in the play, she's just another cat who happens to be white, and she just does ballet. Um, they really kind of focus on her and try to make her the main character and, like, the point character. And I just don't think it ever really connected for me. Agreed. Now, John, having never seen it, did it not work for you either? No. Yeah. I was wondering, like, why? Like, her? <laughs> uh, until she started... Until they... The, movie decided to show off the the ballet and choreography i was like uh, wh- what it like you're really forcing victoria as a character you're really forcing this on me why are you doing this yeah and it was interesting when we saw it in theaters like the whole like as you were saying earlier the whole beginning i'm like i don't know why they they keep focusing on victoria like she's not that good of a dancer she can't act her voice is real thin like what's going on here and then you get that jellical ball and she just lights off it's like oh i was wrong she can dance holy shit can she dance Right. (laughs) And it was like, I wish I had seen more of this. I was like, wow, why did you bring this out now? The movie's almost over. What is going on here? It was a build-up. Yeah, I think it was supposed to be like, oh, she's now finally herself and she can let loose. But I just, I don't think they showcase it well enough. Like, Tom Hooper's really trying to shove a story in here somewhere and it just, it never quite broke through. And it's like, that was a wasted effort, man. You should have just made it what it was. Yeah, I, I think made it having like to shove that story in there. Where there's just tableaus of <laughs> musical sequences with dancing and being like, you didn't come here for a plot. What are you thinking? I mean, that's really what it should have been. And like, that's kind of what it is. And it's at its best when it is doing that. Um, but even so, even should so. we talk about the production design? That's kind of what I was going to try to figure out how to transition into. Unless there's anybody else we didn't. We talked a lot about uh, Francesca Haywood, uh, Hayward, which is Victoria. Uh, we didn't really talk anything else about. You gotta talk about Idris Elba a little bit, right? Like he's the most ridiculous. In my opinion, him and Ian McKellen are the. No, I'll even no. I'll take Ian McKellen. Idris Elba's also not a singer dancer. No, he's like the weirdest choice for this movie. But at the it same is. time, I think he kind of loved it. Oh I, yeah, he had fun. I could be wrong, but it looks like he's having a great time. Yeah. Right. I, I don't <laughs> say that he's not. I think everyone that made this movie. Was having a great time. <laughs> I would argue against James Corden and no, he had a good time making this movie too. He he's... just doesn't want to admit it anymore yeah, because being... he gave into the shame raid. I don't yeah, know. He's being such a dick about it on the back end, dude. It's like, yeah. 
come on. Yeah. No, Idris Elba is definitely very weird. Uh, weird to watch, especially with the way the movie edited around his like magic and his popping in and out. And um, I was already having some t- tough time being anchored in the beginning. So when he showed up and suddenly he was just there in the scene, like the camera just turned, he's there. And it was weird. Like, I don't know how else to explain it other than that. Like his whole ex- thing for me in the movie was just weird. Yeah. I, I view him with the same eyes I do with... Uh... I just forgot his name. The one dude in What We Do in the Shadows. <laughs> like whenever he yells, bat, to be a bat. It's a lot like McCavity. Yeah. McCavity. Okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Yeah, they'd hang out. Uh, Mark Berry. Mark Berry. No. Mark Berry and McCavity. Matt Berry? Totally. Matt Berry. Thank you. Matt yeah. Berry. I'm like, wait, no, that's off. No, they would <laughs> it's be his other, his brother Mark. <laughs> they'd be like, oh, look. Oh, my look God. Look at that cat yeah. going off again. Being McCavity. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think McCavity is just his character from What We Do in the Shadows, Cat. Yeah, so if that's the movie, I don't think an ounce of this would work had they not gotten somebody as talented as Eve Stewart. Because there is a big fucking gamble in this movie. Where if you you see the set, uh, the stage production, they have a whole bunch of garbage behind them throughout the majority of the film. And Mm. it's very big garbage. You're like, oh, they're cats, so garbage is big. And this movie wanted to have more than just the one location, so they have to have many locations that are scaled up to make them look like cats. And to say they missed the mark, I think, would be a little bit, uh, would be way undersaying, uh, underselling it. Like, I know the internet was all over the trailer, like, oh, they look ridiculous, they're too small, or they're too big, or this or that. It's so and it's, hard. It's, it's very difficult because they're not cats. They are people. So they need to be people that are cat-sized. And yeah, the locations are a bit of a mess. But the props work. Yeah. I think everything else, like some locations are a little wonky. Like when they're on the stage, it's like they're just on a normal stage. Like that's not scaled up at all. But whatever they're holding or interacting with, I would say 100% of the time, Eve Stewart was right on. Like everything they have to be near is scaled perfect and consistent. Oh yeah, yeah. and true. and nothing nothing that was that was claimed to be wrong was her. Every, everything she did in the production design was amazing. I, I, again, I was like, whoa, this is this is great. It's just scale. Scale's hard, and when you've yeah. got I mean, they this level done of the scale, if they had like gotten a stadium, and then they scaled all the sets in a stadium, so they had the extra space other yeah. than a studio, because that's what yeah. they, that was the problem. The rooms were not scaled to the decor. Yeah, that's what fought each other. Yeah, yeah I no, I, I think I was, I was in the beginning at least. I was, I was like um, that feeling when you're on a boat and kind of wobbly a little bit. It's like I was like, okay, there's something like uncanny here, and I couldn't quite place my finger on it until you just said what you said. I was like, yeah, there's the room scale is not quite right, so it puts everything off a little bit. Yeah, it just kind of it. For both better and worse, in my opinion, it kind of elevates it to this, like, almost, like, dreamlike-esque, like, this isn't quite working. Is this intentional? I really hope it is. Because mm. <laughs> otherwise, I think, like, Eve Stewart just did an amazing job. Like, each location is distinct and different, and they all feel so fucking lived in. Like, my, my favorite location that they go through, and it's not my favorite song in the movie. In fact, it's arguably my favorite song in the play but my least favorite song in the movie by comparison 
um, would be the Mungo Jerry and Rumple Teaser song. Like, yeah, I, the production design uh, shines the most in that. Oh sequence. my god, everything throughout that sequence. I mean, the scale is off, like we've mentioned for like the locations, like the bed's a little too big or a little too small. Like here and there, there's some things, but for the most part, every room they're in is lavish and different. It, like you can see that Eve Stewart style that we've kind of gotten used to. It looks like one of her sets. Like you could see the King's Speech take place in that house under the movie she did. Again, the she's very song. good with Oliver Drapery. She is, and like I just like I <laughs> loved each one of these places because from the Mungo Jerry and Rumpel Teaser house to the Egyptian to the boat with um, that McCavity keeps bringing all of his captured people to. Uh, like, all of these places, they feel kind of grimy. Oh, not the house, but all the other places outside, they feel kind of grimy, a little dirty, and definitely lived in. And I, I just think, for a movie that shows zero full people, uh, you can still feel their presence throughout the entire movie. And also, where are they? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Like, I know this is supposed to be London, but people were awake at this time in London, I'm sure. I still say, I'll say that joke for the end, because I have a very, very important, I think, credit tag that should have been in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was if the movie wanted to be campy, which it didn't and kind of did. You really should have landed on one side of that fence. I would have enjoyed at least, if we're going to do these like interjections of Rebel Wilson's thing for that one moment, Yeah. I have a one interjection of when they're dancing in the middle of the square all around the fountain for one human to be like, what's going on over there? What's with those... This cat's just breaking into that oh, milk bar. A lot of cats, man, and they're just kind of <laughs> flipping out. <laughs> I mean, they broke into a milk bar. Of course they're flipping out. <laughs> broken to heaven. <laughs> What's a milk bar? Was that ever a thing, or is that it just in cats and in orange? In clockwork orange. Clockwork orange. <laughs> well, Conqueror's Bad Fur Day starts in a milk bar because they're doing a shot-for-shot recreation of clockwork orange, but still. Yeah. That kind Should... of counts. I'll look into that. Like, has there ever been a real milk bar? Because uh, most me- people make fun of me for being an adult and still enjoying milk. Do you remember in the uh, was it late '90s, maybe 2000s, when oxygen bars were really popular? Oh yeah, <laughs> that's still a thing, but it's mostly. Are you serious? It, How? It's mostly in like, der- those, like fashion dermatologist offices uh, about yeah. how great oxygen is for your skin. I'm sure it is. You just don't even know until. Luckily, I'm surrounded it. by it most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> Oh boy. It's the amount of oxygen. All right. Is there anything else to say about Eve Stewart's production design? I kind of steamrolled with the stuff I liked about it. Was there anything kind of different that I missed? The, the only critique I would have is that the scale was off. And then, honestly, out of all of her films, the production design is featured the least. The, oh, yes. Yeah, Because they really just focus on the cats. Yeah, for sure. They never really get it's establishing shot-wise. They never... You don't really ever get one. When do you get an establishing shot? No, I don't think they really do it. So if it wasn't no. for... Uh, if it wasn't for the fact that I've seen this movie probably north of 15 times at this point, um, not just me doing that. We do have a son who loves it. Uh, I don't think I'd be able to notice it quite as much. But like after you watch a movie that many times, you are just kind of looking for something else on the screen so I can get lost in the production design and how wonderful all yeah. these different places they go to. But on my first viewing, I'm sure I didn't notice it as much. You're probably right. Yeah, most of the shots are, if they're wide, it's because there's a lot of cats on screen. Otherwise, yeah. <laughs> mostly they're medium shots to close. Right. Yeah, no, it was quite an adjustment going from the previous movies we did to this one that features her uh, production design so much less. I, I kind of had to pump the brakes and be like, 
why aren't we looking at this stuff? Because they didn't want to render it or make it, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, do you have any idea how many cats we have to fucking render? Yeah. <laughs> and now we have to render out buttholes for some reason. I'm kidding. I don't believe in the butthole cut. I know there might be one out there. Everyone keeps talking about it. Congratulations. I wish there well, you know, if the butthole cut exists, it's going to be on HBO Max, where right? they didn't make their tails like monkey tails. That's one of the pr- biggest problems I have with the design of this I film. mean, it's better than the ropes hanging from their waists on the play. No, it's not. <laughs> because that's more believable. Cats, cats' tails do not just hang dead behind they them. They don't, but they can't grab anything. Well, that's true. Do they grab anything, or do they just kind of... They grab onto things with their tails. They also use their tails as props, which I know is in the play. Yeah. But and then their tails just curl. That one. Cat yeah. tails don't curl. Yeah, not like that. Yeah. I'm still kind of no. <laughs> they're they they're monkey tails. It's just so silly. I'm fine with it. And it, and it's one of the reasons why this movie feels intensely erotic because monkey tails <laughs> in cinema have classically been symbolizing penises. That's true. It is kind of weird how horny this movie is, but if you go back to the play, it's equally horny. I mean, you you have a whole bunch of theater kids in skin-tight suits where nothing's Yeah, but you have a bunch of penises wiggling everywhere. Well, no, but... Okay, never mind. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, you can't really back that up. I can, I just don't want to. Back that up? Are you serious? (laughs) There's no point. Uh, Alright, so if that's kind of cats, I think it's time for quotes. Quotes... Quote, unquote, quotes. I actually have one that I think is, um, it's not from the play. Uh, it is definitely not even mentioned in the play. It is it's one of these little, like, offhanded, like, throwaway background lines that from the first time I saw the movie has just brought me the most joy. And it takes place during the Skimbleshanks song. Skimbleshanks is off doing his thing. He's, you know, um, trying to remember the words of the song now. Uh, Oh, it's very pleasant when you find your little uh, den with your name written up on the board. And then they go through it, and they open up the little den, and a mouse is inside. And the mouse just freaks the fuck out. (laughs) And just goes, (laughs) Skimble! And runs out of the door. And then they have the little bit in the cabin. They come out, and the mouse is still outside. And he's like, oh, they're coming outside. And he goes, ah! And just runs away. (laughs) It's fucking hilarious. (laughs) Like, I wish the whole movie had just a little bit more camp to it. And I think, again, it would have captured more people. Because that moment is comedy gold it is <laughs> uh it's hard for me to choose a quote because i mean it's all song there really isn't yeah. any talking uh but one of my favorite moments in mr misophilies song is when he's trying you know gain confidence and gloat about being a magical cat and he goes and Sometimes they'll be yelling for hours into the garden while I've been asleep by the fire. Asleep in the hall. Asleep in the hall. And I'm like, that doesn't make you magical. That just makes your owners lame. <laughs> it just makes your owners not <laughs> neglectful and kind of shitty. <laughs> I just don't know why he's not coming in from the garden. I don't know. Did you try looking else in the house? He's in the hallway, you idiot. <laughs> <laughs> this is not a way to prove that you're magical. He did make mice appear on his head. Yeah. And he made old dudes come back. I love calling her old dudes. <laughs> we don't know if she's old dudes. Old dudes. <laughs> that was my back. Old line. dudes. <laughs> See, the campy version would have at least brought that in. Like, old dudes. They did. That's a line from the movie. That's Mungo Jerry says that. We didn't know they were going to take old dudes. Oh, right, right, yeah. <laughs> we're just having a bit of fun. <laughs> we're just having a bit of fun. 
Um, as far as quotes for me, um, I think mine's not funny, but it's the the line that Victoria sings about uh, memories being lost long ago. So I'll dance with these beautiful ghosts. Uh, it's her performance of the line that is, still sticks with me. Just she sang it well. Yeah, that's true. You like the Taylor Swift song. Yeah. We didn't really talk anything about the Jennifer Hudson song, which is kind of a we shame. We didn't really talk about her at all. No, like we didn't really mention anything. I mean, I guess we probably should. She doesn't really have much to do in the movie. She just kind of shows up She's and looks a sad. sad cat. And then makes everyone cry with memory. I mean, that's really all that part is for. Oh, look, right, there's a yeah. sad old cat. Oh, here she comes again. Oh, wow, she can sing. Oh, the show's over. Like, that's just kind of... The song's really just about, hey, you guys are really mean to me. Yeah, like, I was a pretty cat once, and then I, I made some bad choices, and you guys are dicks now. You never let it go. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's, <Yeah>. that's memory. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I mean, Jennifer Hudson did fucking crush that song. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, everyone yeah. knew she would. <laughs> Jennifer Hudson not crush a song. Like, it's, that's why it goes without saying. Yeah. It's Jennifer Hudson. Yep. All right. So, double features. I've had mine locked and loaded, I think, probably since we saw it in theaters, because I'm like, that would go well with this. And I hate this movie. Like, I fully hate the movie that I'm going to recommend you watch with this one. Um, but I think because the same amount of passion went into both of them, they're both musicals. There's huge numbers on both camps of either it's horrible or it's wonderful. Can you guess it? Mm-mm. Repo, the genetic opera. Oh, that thing. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me it would not go well with this. That'd be an interesting double feature. Uh, it's, it's on my list of films I never feel like I need to see again. <laughs> <laughs> you don't see the the Giles opera. Oh, I'm thinking of the other movie. Yeah, I'm talking about the one with Giles. Yeah, oh, that one's fun. I'll rewatch that <laughs> okay. one again. Sorry. <laughs> Were you thinking of the Jude Law movie? No, I was thinking of a uh, Reanimator. Oh yeah, I don't use that one ever again. I'm I don't know. That's that. not a musical. That's, well, there is Reanimator, Reanimator the musical. Yeah. That is a thing. Um, but no. Sorry, I don't know what. No, I'll rewatch Genetic Opera. Okay. Totally. Yeah. yeah. Okay. What about? Do you want to do Reanimator for your double feature? No. <laughs> Uh, did you know that Paris Hilton is considered the number one female DJ in the world right now? Good for her. Yeah. You go, She's girl. She's genetic <laughs> opera. Uh, my double feature would be Moulin Rouge. Another movie that when it was released, when I went to see it in theaters, people walked out. Lots of people hated Moulin Rouge. And then it turned out people liked Moulin Rouge. And then Moulin Rouge got multiple different adaptations in different places, and people continued to like Moulin Rouge. It's like the reverse Cats. I like it. So, yeah. Cats, honestly, however crazy this movie is, I think it's going to go down as one of those things that people are going to love later. I hope so. Not for the reasons Tom Hooper wanted them to love it, but they will. I mean, there already is an audience for it. People have already done, like, back when COVID wasn't a thing. They'd already done their private screenings. Yeah. They'd already had, like, meow-alongs. And... Yeah, this is, it's going to have parties. <laughs> People are going to be crazy. Yeah. Uh, John, what about you? A little bit different. Uh, I'm going to go with the 1934 film The Black Cat, starring Bo- <laughs> Bela Lugosi and Boris Karloff, who weren't in their usual roles. And it was a kind of a noirish kind of thing that has a black cat in it. And it just it would be an interesting shift. Already cast this movie... It's weird and kind of unmoored, and then you get into it, and then just like, let's switch, like <laughs> change a beat, and yeah, jump to some psychological horror. <laughs> Is it our cats in it? Uh, yeah, there's a there's a, a, a an ominous black cat, but it's a lot of uh, it's 
kind of the movie that's like popularized psychological horror subgenre. So oh. eerie sounds, darker side of the human psyche, stuff like that. Interesting. Yeah, definitely kind of a, a very off-kilter choice for a double feature, but one that would hopefully kind of sh- you know, keep your keep you from <laughs> grounding, being grounded. Fair enough. Yeah, my my backup was going to be Pet Cemetery, but I fucking hate Pet Cemetery, so I'm like, <laughs> I'd, cats versus dogs. Oh, that would have been a good one. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, like. I, I know I hate Repo the Genetic Opera, but I watch Repo the Genetic Opera. Like that thing There's finds good its things in that movie. It finds its way in my TV more often than I care to mention. Whereas Pet Cemetery, I watched the original, I watched the remake, and I went, I don't like this story. I'm done with it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need to return. It's a bad movie. It's a bad story. You missed Stephen King. He's a bad dad. Let's <laughs> go with that. That's really the whole movie boils down to. He's a shitty dad. Yeah. Done. <laughs> Fuck Pet Cemetery. God, I hate that movie. All right, anyhow. <laughs> How do you really feel, man? I'm really... After we watched the remake, I think I just stormed around my apartment. I'm like, why do people like this fucking thing? I had so many people tell me to watch these movies. They both suck. Anyhow. <laughs> uh, Eve Stewart wrap-up. I'm going to let Chewie kind of lead the charge here since oh. she uh, she is the art department person. Uh, were there any big takeaways? Uh, would you say you're more of a fan, less of a fan of Eve Stewart? Would she be a reason you'd go see a movie? I can just totally. keep questions at you. Because whether or not the movie's good, she will definitely have something in it that I will enjoy having seen. I, I would say 100% agree with you as far as so far as much as uh, I would say she doesn't know how to phone in a job. No. Out of the four movies that we watched, which arguably none of them were amazing movies. They were all... Uh, I'd say the best they got to was pretty good. Um, but she gave, a, an, in my humble opinion of some podcaster from Burbank, she gave Academy Award level performance in each one of the four movies I'm that we sure saw. I'm sure she's on the top of the repertoire of working production designers. Like yeah. You are happy when you get her. Like She's so, so talented. And she does have a style that I kind of started to pick up, even in Cats, because Cats is so wildly different than the other three movies we watched. I guess Cats and A Cure for Wellness. But you still kind of can see her style creep through in both of them. And it's like, it's always kind of nice to see that personal like signature on it, especially when it's somebody so talented as her. Yeah. Where you can see these totally different genres, but it still feels like, oh, they hired Eve Stewart to do the production design here. Hmm. John, what do you think? Uh, any big takeaways? Uh, the big one is kind of directly tied to the the movies she's worked on that we watched, and just how how much good production design can really elevate mediocre material. Because uh, across the board, the movies we watched, to me, like I wouldn't seek these out. But if I see her name on it now, I would I would probably more likely give it a chance. Because no matter if it doesn't work for me, the movie on a level, or it's you know just I don't I don't like it, I'm still gonna like that one thing, that thing she does in this. So it was a very interesting to have the movies we did and that juxtaposition of really great, amazing like master class level production design with okay movies. Yeah, it, it really does kind of... We I noticed this a lot throughout the years of After the Hype. Uh, the more we reviewed movies, the more I was able to kind of like piecemeal movies. Of Say we watched I'll Throw in Repo Genetic Opera again. Like As a whole, I'd give the movie maybe one star. But there are things in that movie that I'd give like five out of five. Uh, like There are just things that work in, I'd say, most movies. And I think Eve Stewart is a wonderful example of... Like, she can make a turd into something watchable. It's a beautiful turd. 
Like, it might have been something, like, completely boring that I have zero interest in. Looking at you, Nicholas Nickleby. Uh, like, I just could <laughs> never be less interested in that story. But just through the world that she built by working with the actors and the director and everything and just everything that she brought to it just brought it to a whole new level. Yeah. And, like, it is so nice to have somebody that good at their craft who can make, take these movies and make them that much more. Like, I, I am in incredibly impressed with eve stewart she is absolutely on my list if i see her pop up on a movie i will watch it i might not run to a theater to see it i will wait to see what reviews are because it might not be the best movie but i know it will be at least something to look at yeah and like really just take in i'm an eve stewart fan for sure i think we all are yeah so one of these months we're gonna end it with like you know what i don't think i like that person i don't know when that's gonna happen but it will yeah, and I hope we never get there. Generally, <laughs> I do too. I really do. If someone do. <laughs> is genuinely untalented and not good at what they're doing, they won't have enough movies for us to watch. Some of them do. There, there are people. I don't want to name them. There are people that I'm very worried about trying to cover because I think I kind of like them right now, and I think if I really deep dive into them, I'm not going to. Can you guess who they are? No. <laughs> Uh, Who is that cut, filmmaker? I'm going to cut it out. It's J.J. Abrams. Uh, oh. I think if I start... Well, oh, yeah. No, you totally. You just have to accept that J.J.'s got a story. Uh, J.J. will do as J.J. does. Yeah. J.J. Abrams I'm really worried about. Uh, and uh, who's the other have one? Have we seen all J.J. movies? Yeah, but I haven't really like studied like from... like I haven't studied them. Like I watch movies for a podcast different than I watch movies just to watch them. Um, who's the other... Oh, the other guy I'm really worried about doing is Spielberg. I think oh, yeah. Start, They're I think the same. Well, they are, but one's trying to be the other. The other one is just himself. But I think if we were to do an entire month on Spielberg, I'd be like, all of his movies are the same. <laughs> I have a really big fear of that, so I don't want to do it. We'll see it. You can yeah, watch, there would be no wrap-up. Uh, yeah, it's like, that Spielberg yeah. is Spielberg. Cool. <laughs> Encounters movie that I've never seen. Close Encounters of the Third yeah. Game. Yeah. Even though that even Spielberg himself has come out saying, yeah, I shouldn't have done that. No, he should have done it. He has the right ending. He wants the easier ending. Spielberg lost his balls. <laughs> what he wants now is wrong. Wrong! Alright, we should get back to the podcast. Uh, <laughs> any other things that we need to say about Eve Stewart? I think we covered it. Right? Yeah, I think we're good. Yeah. Next month, who's ready for Jamie Lee Curtis? Not Ooh, us. Me. It's actually really oh. difficult to figure out how to do an entire month on Jamie Lee Curtis. We've been talking about it, or Chewie and I, for the portion of the day that John and I, before we started recording, and I think we've come up with a pretty good plan. Pretty good. Clan? I think we've come up with a pretty good plan. You know right? what? I'm going to be in the Jamie Lee Curtis clan in all my video games now. <laughs> my Destiny clan is Jamie Lee Curtis. <laughs> that'd, that'd, be, that'd be awesome. Uh, but yeah, so our plan is to try to treat it uh, like the month of October. The month of October starts, nothing scary is happening. It's just the month of October. So we'll watch something a little spooky. Not a scary movie, but there is death involved. We're going to watch Knives Out. It's a good way to start the month, right? Knives are yeah. scary. Knives are scary. I I know nothing about this movie other than the cast. Uh, John's seen it. I assume there's there's dead people in it, right? At least one? Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah, cool. Yeah. So, yeah, murders. Uh, that That's somewhat related to, uh, to horror. <laughs> Yeah, no, uh, murders are spooky. <laughs> spooky murders. We're so desensitized. <laughs> I know. Uh, so after that, we're going to move into something a little bit a little bit less scary, or a little bit more death-filled, I think. Probably a little bit less scary, though. But uh, I was trying to think of just, like, how to up the body count, and I went for uh, last, uh, not last action hero, my god. 
Mm. That would be awesome if we're doing Arnold She's not Month, in it. which which we're not doing Arnold Month, but we are gonna do. Um, now I'm blanking on it. Fuck is the name of it? James Cameron. Uh, True Lies. Thank you. Uh, we're gonna do True Lies. Might not be a scary movie really at all, uh, but there are a fuckload of dead people in it. So She's, her character scared a lot. She is scared yeah. a lot. Yeah, yeah, and it's people. scary fun to watch. Yeah, all those murders. Yeah. So you know. <laughs> And then we're going to go for suspense. We're going to get a little suspenseful. Not quite horror yet, but it's definitely in the ballgame. You know, I believe this one might get changed for an actual horror movie if, uh, if the mood strikes. But as of right now, we're doing Taylor of Panama, a suspense movie from the 2000s that fucking nobody but me saw. I don't even know. It's got a James Bond in it. It looks... Not looks. It is great. I loved this movie, and nobody saw it. So hopefully that'll be it. But if you know we're closer to Halloween, we just want to do a Halloween movie, we might just throw in a horror movie instead. And then we're going to end things... Not with where you'd think we'd been, because we've already done all the Halloween movies. We're going to do Prom Night. Ooh. I feel like we've laid out a pretty good smattering of Jamie Lee Curtis's roles. Uh, leaning towards the more violent and scary stuff, because it is October after all. Uh, one or two of those might change, but that is the plan right now. All right, so we have Knives Out, True Lies, Taylor of Panama, Prom Night. Pretty excited for October. Hopefully that calendar sticks. If one switches out, so be it. Let's move into plugs. I'm going to plug, uh, on, coming up on Mondays, we still have uh, the Frisky Dingo podcast, Welcome to You Are Doom. Uh, that one is in Season 2. We'll be wrapping up shortly, and then I think we're going to take a little bit of break, and we're going to come back with something else after that, so stay tuned for that. Uh, be sure to check out Damage Boost every Tuesday now, and that's all my plugs. Chewy? I don't think I have a plug. Fair enough. John? Uh, Demon Days, like always, uh, every week we have a great time. Uh, being spooktacular and murdering. So, you know, that'll fit for October. Yeah. Um, but also, we have a Discord for After the Hype and the ATH Network in general. So the links will be on our socials everywhere often. So come join us. Sounds good. All right. Thank you, everyone, so much for listening. Sorry again for missing that week. And that's why this episode is a week off as well as last week's. And uh, we'll see you next week when we start up Jamie Lee. Yeah. What is up with that cat? Is someone throwing it? I keep I... moving.